Welcome to the Kinkle Fritz and Friends podcast. If you want to hear the show, you can find it on Family Life Radio. If you want to find a station near you, you can go to myflr.org or stream it online. Well, today we're going to learn how we relate to people as uh, really the way we relate to God is how we relate to people as well and uh, find out how our childhood shapes our personality. We have Jesse Eubanks with us. He wrote the book, Understanding God, Yourself, and Others Through the Enneagram. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Well, you're welcome. So let's start out with something that my wife brought up because of something that she saw. Should Christians be using the Enneagram? Because I <laughs> hear a lot of, yeah. like, this is naughty and wrong. And what, <laughs> yeah. what say you, Jesse? <laughs> yeah, I know. So, um, so let me let me start here. I am very sympathetic to people that have concerns about the Enneagram. You go online, you Google it. There's a lot of bizarre and concerning things that do come up, and uh, and I think that we as Christians are absolutely called to be discerning in which things we utilize. So um, so let me start off by just saying that uh, the, the specific concerns, um, some of them are just rumors. So there's really, really weird rumors about the Enneagram, um, uh, you know, things like v- visions of archangels and oh. uh, evil, enti- evil entities and like, and uh, the, you know, those things were created literally as rumors too. Um, discredit the work that people have done, um, and uh, the, the the claims those people are made about. Um, they themselves have gone on record as saying none of that happened. That's not true. They're just rumors. So I always like to remind Christians we need to not participate in rumors. So if you come across those rumors, they are not true. Do not mm. spread them. Um, this the second thing would be uh, would be this. Um, uh, God works through a lot of very strange sources in life. There are a lot of beautiful gifts in my life that have not come from Christians or have come from strange, you know, backgrounds. Uh, I live in a country that I really appreciate. Um, I would not say that all the architects of the country shared my faith. Uh, and, um, And yet... Do I believe that God worked through them in order to um, to allow me to enjoy certain uh, gifts? I do, and so so I think that um, um, we have to dispel the rumors. We have to understand that God allows us to enjoy benefits from um, from unlikely places. And then the other pushback is a lot of people say, "Well, it's not psychologically valid." Uh, that that's that's bunk as well. Uh, the the folks that uh, helped curate the Enneagram studied at Harvard, studied at Berkeley, brought in contributions from Freud, from Jung. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of um, uh, leading psychologists. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah, so so the theological concer- concerns I get, and then um, I also do understand the psychological concerns. But ultimately, um, it ain't the Bible. This is just a tool. We're looking at an, Im- an imperfect tool that, that I hope God can use in order for all of us to understand our relational style and how it's shaping our faith and our relationship with other people and ourselves. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so uh, all that to say, if you've got more questions and you're like, I don't feel satisfied by Jesse's responses right here, uh, <laughs> you, 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 can, uh, you can head over to uh, our website, lovethyneighborhood.org slash Enneagram, and uh, I go more in depth there um, in order to, uh, to respond to some of this. You know, I really appreciate how you call it just a, it's just a diagnostic tool for how yeah. we can better relate to each other. It's and just like a Myers-Briggs or a DISC test or something like that. Yeah. 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 Yes. And yes. I found that to be true. I was like, oh, that's why Misty has 
thinks that way. That's why Kate thinks that way. So I feel better informed about my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> I was, mine was, I was very startled because I think I've, this was the third version of the test I've taken and this was super accurate. It was offensively accurate. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, felt like it yeah. took a little bit of a tone with me, and it also was like this probably <laughs> happened in your childhood to make you this way. And I was like, okay, we'll just get out of my business now. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was, it was spot on to a startling degree. Yeah, she uh, took yeah. the test, stopped by my office on the way out the door, and she says, "I'm offended." <laughs> And I was like, it's it's just a computer that said something. It's not he personal. Said that was probably a very four-like response, too, to be offended. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. If, if, uh, if you are not offended at some point in your exploration of the Enneagram, you are doing it wrong. Because uh, it is a tool that both, on the one hand, affirms us, you know, uh, it highlights these great and wonderful God-given gifts, and at the same time, it also brings to us uh, the ways in which we are abusing these gifts, mm. the ways in which the ways in which we are taking these great things um, and we are using them in ways that are our attempt to feel valuable, to feel safe, to feel free. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so um, so feeling offended is the appropriate response at some point. <laughs> yes, I'm right on target. I did uh, it right. <laughs> you're doing great. You're yeah. doing Thank great. you. Jesse, can you share an example how the Enneagram could help us? We have a story of how it could help somebody grow closer to God. Yeah, here's the thing. Um, uh, the, the truth is this. A lot of us think that we are sort of uh, neutral players when it comes to sort of our theology, our beliefs about God. And if we just had sort of empirical you know, good theology, we would see, see things with perfection. But the truth is this. All of us, in some way, bend our ideas and views of God to suit our needs, mm. uh, and um, and we need to understand. You, we first need to be able to see how am I doing that? If I can't understand the ways in which I'm I'm bending it and I'm making my theology and my views and my beliefs about God and my the things the things in Scripture I emphasize and the things I dismiss. If I don't understand the way that my personality is playing a role within that, um, it's going to be really detrimental. You know, so you think about it, um, and, uh, so I'm a, I'm a type three. Any of you guys type threes? I think that's what I was. Okay. Were you so, three? That's yeah. what you said. But, but I think it was a little off track. I'm going to have to take it again. Part of it was true and part of it was not. Yeah, sure, sure. And and there's some some reality to that. So like, so let me just, okay, so if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about, type three. Let me give an example. Um when uh, I am a type three, we are known as the achiever. We uh, were sort of vision casting people. We'd like to inspire people. We love to communicate. Um, we love like um, getting behind microphones and like uh, talking to people like that's kind of our, our jam in life. Um, but but on the flip side of it, there's a part of us that feels like we got to do the dog and pony show in order to receive love and affection from people like I I. I won't be admired and valued unless I put forward a face that is admirable and valuable. And so, um, so you take like you take that and you exaggerate that and you you know implant that on the church. Like you end up with, 
you know, um, Hillsong, New York. You end up with like the Carl Lentz kind of dynamic of like we're going to uphold celebrities and we're going to uphold, you know, being around famous people and lots of money. And there's a twisting of the gospel that takes place in that. Mm. And so so we I mean, self-awareness is just kind of critical for having relational health with God and other people. If we don't have self-awareness. Um, we're going to do a lot of damage to a lot of people. Um, and so especially for like me as a type three, we kind of have this climbing the ladder kind of energy about us. You know, that means we're going to have influence. And that means that we got to we got to steward that well. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Mm. You know, <clears throat> excuse me. There are so many books and tools and the Enneagram, as we've established, is one of them. Tell us a little bit about your personal journey into the Enneagram that even led you to write this book and and how you designed it to be kind of set apart from the others. Yeah. Um, okay. So, the, so there's one story that I sort of tell in the book where I sort of like lose my mind, and it's like me screaming at God. And and so if if you read the book, you'll you'll get that story. Let me give kind of the other one that didn't show up as much, which is this: I was on staff at a homeless shelter for nine years. So we're every day taking care of our city's poorest citizens, people in desperate need, people who slept out on the concrete the night before. Um, and every day we're talking about the love of Jesus. Jesus loves you so much. The Lord has uh, has a desire for you. He wants you to come into the family of God. And the whole time behind the scenes, we as a staff were dysfunctional. Mm. We were not getting along. We were bickering with each other. We were undermining each other. We didn't trust each oh, wow. other. So there's this sense in which we were like, uh, I say we were like airplane salesmen that were hoping you didn't ask us if we actually knew how to fly the plane. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like we were talking about this love of God, but we ourselves didn't actually have the tools to know how to do it with each other. Right. And, um, and so it was in that moment that, um, that a couple of older seasoned wise pastors uh, came in to counsel us and shepherd us, and they brought this thing called the Enneagram that totally sounded like pentagram and totally <laughs> freaked me out at first. And then, uh, and then as they began to walk through it and describe it, I mean, they got to, uh, they got to my type in particular, and it was shocking, mm. um, the, 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 the level of insight. And I think, the, I think in particular... Um, what it helped me do was really do the work of going who I think I am and who I actually operate as are not the same person. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I, and I need, and I need to come to terms with that because living in a fantasy is hurting my relationships with God and other people. And I need to deal with that. Mm. Oh, wow. wow. And because there's some truths there, you just don't want to yeah. <laughs> think are as yeah, real I mean, as yeah. they are, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, you know, I heard somebody say, like, you wake up uh, to reality, and part of waking up to reality is there's a grief to that because you're embarrassed about what you find, you know? Oh, it's wow. like, oh, my God, oh, my gosh, I've been, yeah. I've been doing that thing, and I've been treating these people in this way, and I didn't even realize I was doing it, but they all knew, but I couldn't see it. And so there's a temptation for us just to kind of just kind of stay status quo, but when we think of Jesus inviting us, he wants to give us abundant life. He talks about that the truth will set us free. Um, and I believe it's the truth of who he is. But I also think like at another level, like he's just saying, live in reality. I'm in reality. I want you to live in reality with me. And that means you got to come to terms that some of this is a part of who you are. That's true. So real quick, we did address yours, King, just with your expansive knowledge of the Enneagram. 
I thought it would be fun real quick if Sally and I told you what our numbers were and you gave a brief little synopsis and we could see if. So I <laughs> I was a four. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about fours. Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready? No. If, if you if we if we hear your microphone <laughs> suddenly on, turn off and, and feet feet running out of the studio. Okay. So um so I've got a ton of four. So let me start off by that. Like it's my wing. So it's like I'm a three, but I got a ton of four. So I have I love fours. Um you guys, uh, type fours, the originalist. Uh, these folks, when they're healthy, they're creative, they're empathetic. Um, they see um, new pathways to doing things. So everybody else is like, here's the obvious answer. The four kind of has this creative bent. They have an orientation around beauty, around aesthetics. They love unusual things. They love one-of-a-kind things. On the on the backside, on the dark side, when they're not living out of their true self in God and they're living out of this false self, um, they can struggle with moodiness. They can struggle with needing to be different. Like it becomes like a, everybody else is like, hey, I love this movie. And they're like, I hate that movie, even though secretly they probably actually like that movie. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, um, and, and, uh, and so, and, and, and the, the resounding thing that sort of the alarm that goes off re- repeatedly inside them is I don't feel understood. I don't feel understood. Even if everybody understands them, mm. it's sort of their, they have a perpetual sense of like, I'm on the outside, even if they're not. So that's the true self, false self stuff what do you what do you think oh it hurts it's so true it hurts it's funny because i i've i've often talked about you were talking about feeling on the outside i've often said as an adult um even now i didn't i didn't really progress past how i felt when i was I'm, as early as elementary school i always feel like the least cool least liked person in the room and yeah. not included with everybody else. I feel like everybody's probably doing stuff and not telling me about it because they don't want me around. Yeah. Yes. So, so you know, and that alludes to, you know, and without getting kind of in the weeds, but the Enneagram is sort of this like, um, it's, it's, it's a way of organizing information that builds itself out. But the, the type four and three, so my type, your type are both in what are called the heart triad. We are driven by our emotions. We, we interpret the world emotionally. Mm. We interpret the world socially, but that also means we feel shame more acutely than other people do. There's a sense in which we just sort of feel I'm gonna get I'm gonna get uh, left out. I'm gonna get abandoned. I feel embarrassed, uh, and um, but that also means this: we have a really deep response anytime um, that we hear somebody bring the gospel to us in the form of the Lord delights in you, mm. the Lord sees uh, you, and He yeah. loves you just as you are, and you're the apple of His eye, and you are the one that He just loves so much. Like we, when we f- really believe that and take that into it, our shame begins. To to dissipate and we begin to go i'm okay i'm okay the lord mm-hmm. sees me and loves me and so how any of that resonate yeah oh yeah that, that's <laughs> kind of what i cling to when i'm feeling <laughs> when i start yeah. feeling that way because it's like well god loves me and god will include me <laughs> and yes. god takes delight in me um, yes you know when um <laughs> god designed kankle fritz and friends he brought three friends together who are so different, different but all yeah. love the lord dearly and so i I'm kind of the one that's on the outside. I'm a seven. I've taken it several times. I'm always the seven with an eight wing. And I'm like, one of these people is not like the other. So, okay, give it to me straight. 
<laughs> this is awesome. So yeah, okay. Uh, so you are you're like the the party person. I mean, that, so the seven <laughs> the seven is known as the enthusiast. So these folks. So first off, these folks are in the head triad. They interpret the world primarily through their thoughts. So they are looking at the world and they're going. They're a lot of analyzing and a lot of rapid imagination, a lot of sort of envisioning. But they're they have very active minds. I think sevens probably have the most active minds. Of all the nine types, mm. um, so um, so let's talk about sevens. Okay, so out of their uh, when they're healthy, living out of their true self in Christ. Um, I say it this way: um, every day is bring your inner child to work day. Like they just have this sense of childlike wonder about the world, about the possibilities of life, um, a real desire to like let's go do things and try things and experience <laughs> things. And um, uh, like, if you hang out with a seven, like sort of their, their catchphrases is like, what if blank, 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 blank. Like they're just full of possibility. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and they, and they often have a very um, beautiful childlike faith. So like when Jesus talks about like, um, we must become like little children, sevens get that at like a deep level. Um, and then uh, when they're not healthy, they slide into a place in which that that dreaming and possibility becomes naive and they become sort of um, they're not willing to look at some of the hard facts in front of them. Um, they, they become the most sensitive to pain of all the nine types. Mm-hmm. So things that become really uncomfortable. So so a common example is like if I teach on the Enneagram and I give the exact same amount of time to the seven as I do to all the others, sevens will come up to me afterwards and say, you were harder on us than you were than <laughs> on anybody else. And, uh, and, and, I, and I'll go, I'll go, no, I don't know how to say, like, you're just very sensitive about pain. Like, it's, it's just a part of, because sevens have a, a longing for bliss, a longing, really, I think it's a longing for shalom. Mm. It's a reconciliation of mm-hmm. all things. Um, and so, so yeah, so I think of uh, this book that came out years ago, um, the kingdom of God is a party, and uh, and I think like sevens are like the embodiment of that that truth. Like you guys just know how to celebrate and worship and joy, and life is full of wonder. Um, but there's there is that work to do on the side of a relationship to pleasure, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, and settling like sort of sliding down into um, gluttony and sort of overindulgence, like too much of a good thing is almost enough, yeah. you know, for, for some sevens. And <laughs> so, um, and so, yeah. So what is it, what do you think? Does any of that resonate? Yeah, it does. But I think a lot of, they don't know this cause I tamp it down a lot. That eight side I think shows up a lot and, yeah. um, but they probably would hear it in that the things that I share are always like, can't we all just get along? Can't we all just have a good day? Let's just have a good day, you know? And um, yeah. So I think that joyful side is easy to, to bury because you also feel all the responsibilities of life. So, well, now you probably need to explain what an aid is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. And so, uh, Kank, what did you say? Did you say your type already? Yeah. I'm a three, but part of it doesn't click at all. So I don't, okay. yeah, I don't know. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's see if any of the eight stuff kind of shows up, you know? Um, and so, so let, let me describe eights a little bit. So eights, so these folks are in the body triad. The body triad says eight, nine, one, those folks, they interpret the world primarily through their instincts. Um, so it's not hmm. sort of through, let's think through the math of it all. And it's not really sort of like, what do I feel? It's 
it's like this, it's in their bodies. Um, in fact, a lot of body types will look down at their their arms and their hands and they'll literally go like, what, what is my body language telling me? Because that's the first sign that, of what their true instincts are. So it's interesting because Sally called, does talk about her gut feeling about people yeah. all the time. All yes. the time. Yeah. I yes. think I'm more yes. eight than seven, but sevens always show up. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, eights. Um, okay. Their their nickname is the protector, and their deep desire in life is to uh, is to protect themselves and the people they love from dangers and from threats. And mm. they show up with energy. All the other personalities run on one ten. Eights run on two twenty. They sleep less <laughs> than any of the other types. They go they go longer and harder than any of the other types. You know, I think of my buddy who's an eight, and like we're hanging out. I'm like. You know, we're at a cabin. I'm like, I think I'm going to go relax. He goes, me too. I go take a nap and a swing. He goes and gets a machete, cuts down, you know, branches <laughs> off a tree, carves them into fishing poles, and then goes like, ah, wasn't that relaxing? And so, um, so these folks, um, these folks are very, uh, they, they're natural leaders. Um, they speak with great confidence. They tend to be very fearless people. Um, they're bold. They, when you, when they come into the room, you feel their presence. Um, um, and, uh, so when they're healthy, they're incredibly inspiring leaders who are very clear when they slide into a place of not being healthy, that desire to want to protect themselves and other people slides into a place of a need to be in control and that need to be in control then makes them um, take on a place where they can't see or accept any weaknesses in themselves. Mm. Things that are t things that are tender, things that are vulnerable, things that are soft. They feel like those things are threats to who they are, and they got to stomp that out because they got to put up their their dukes. They're ready to go. They can at times if they slide far enough. They love the energy of arguments and fighting so much that they can't turn it off. Wow! And so there's a sense in which it's like. It's like th the rest of us are like exhausted. We're like, oh, my gosh, I want to go take a nap. And they're like, let's get in the ring and like have it out. And that gives energy to them. And so um, so the number wow. one complaint, the number one complaint of those around them is I don't feel heard by you because the eight has so much energy that they get tunnel vision. They can't not see what they're seeing and what it takes for others to kind of snap them out of it can be a challenge. Um, so great leaders, great leaders. Um, but we have to be careful. I mean, legit, I, th this is the truth. You take that non-resourceful aid energy, that unhealthy energy, you take that train all the way to the end of the station and you've got Mark Driscoll. That's the kind mm. of vibe, you know, you've got that, like, I see it with such clarity and we're going after this, but it's, it, there's a lot of controlling energy that comes up. Mm. Gotcha. Okay. You, you know, you've you've referenced several times like the the way the spiritual health will affect, you know, what what part of your style, so to speak, comes out. And so, you know, you've also heard it said the, the way that we relate to people is how we can relate to God. So how how do you see that playing out? Yeah, I mean, so, for example, for me, so I'm a type three. Um, I. I'm like in my relationship, I'm like, I tend to be like a doer. Like, let's go do things. Let's build things. Let's work on projects together. Uh, well, guess, I mean, think about my prayer life. My prayer life probably tends to be action oriented. My prayer life tends to be not as emotionally attuned because I'm like, yeah, yeah, emotions, but we got things to do. Um, <laughs> and so, um, and this tendency towards wanting things to be all about the vision of God and what's coming 
but I'm not always very attentive to the truth of where I am in this actual mm. moment because I that's my trick. I'm like, but Lord, this is what gives me purpose. So in the same way, you know, like, you know, somebody that's got a lot of four, it's going to be that tendency towards um, the prayer life is going to be like full on authentic, but it could at times struggle to be hopeful. It could struggle to be positive. It could struggle to go, um, you know, Lord, here's what's here's what's possible. It can just have this sort of gravitational pull towards authenticity, even if the authenticity in that moment is like not very healthy and can't see the bigger picture. Um, and so same thing with seven stuff, you know, it's like the prayer life tends to be very hopeful and all things are possible and doesn't tend to reflect so much on the negative and the painful and the hardship and the, you know, the, the other aspects. And so, so we have to think of it like, it's not that, it's not that we're, um, our orientation as whatever our type is, our way of seeing is oh, totally wrong. It's the fact that we fixate on that one way at the exclusion of all these other mm. ways of seeing. So the authentic prayer of the four is wonderful, but what about the call for integrity? What about the call towards we need to go do and be righteous and we need to serve other people? And, you know, that it's it's not just a prayer life that's about here's what I'm feeling, but also a prayer life, Lord, help me, make me obedient. Lord, call me forward into a discipleship that's active. Lord, help me to know the truth and rehearse the truth to myself. So all of us, you know, it's all of us, regardless of our type, we just fixate on things at the exclusion of the bigger picture of who God is. Mm. Yeah. That's good. I want to know something about Misty. Uh-oh. No. <laughs> so she herself has said that this is an issue, yet she continues to do it. Oh, no. And that is ascribed tone to things <laughs> that was never there. Uh-huh. And uh, like like a text message or, well, yes. your own or, test. Or Enneagram test yeah, results. Had a tone. And uh, and I've, I've like, sometimes I'll text her and I'll say, no tone added here. In other words, there's no. <laughs> Just yesterday. Yeah. yeah. No, but, but no, sub- of, but, but no seemed, subtext. Yeah, it seems like life is interpreted as uh, people. Well, you take things personally where mm-hmm. it may not. It's not intended that way, you know. And the test did actually address that too. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was interesting to to kind of. And I think I probably ascribe tone, and maybe this also lines up to things that I don't want to hear. Sure. So if, if, or I will automatically infer something that I don't want to hear into what you said. And so, and, and my test results did talk about how much I focus on the negative and how many, how often I will make something that's not negative, negative. So that often comes up Misty with things that I'll say that even today and yesterday, I was like, Misty, you got that completely backwards (laughs) from what I was saying. It's like you translated in your head into something negative that wasn't even near what I was saying. And, and was people like, have said that what? to me. My whole, my family was saying that to me when I was like five and six, like that, what you heard is not what we said. It just Where made are you me getting sad. This? I was like, Oh I, yeah. It's, it's like, um, it's like emotional dyslexia. My brain flips it. <laughs> uh, you know, there's some truth to that. So I've, you know, I'm, I'm a three, but I've got a raging four wing. Um, so I've got a lot of that in me. So each of the nine types have a, uh, a psychological defense mechanism. It's a, it's a way for our, you know, our prideful sort of ego self, like to protect itself, uh, because we don't want to be hurt any further. And we want to uphold what we think of ourselves. Well, the one for the four, um, the one for the four is literally, uh, to reject, um, is to reject 
positive information about ourselves. Um, and so when positive things are brought to our attention, we sort of, you know, folks with a lot of four, we have that tendency to see it and go like, that's not the real stuff. But everything negative, we go, yep, sign. I'm ready to sign on the dotted line. We're positive. That's that's mm. the truth. And so um, so we have to really, if we got a lot of four in us, we got to do that work of, um, of, of really making sure that when we receive po- positive information that we go, I accept this. Thank you. I accept mm-hmm. this. And not that everything is said to you is is negative either. How do you yeah. how do you uh, how do you guard against that? Because my wife deals with that too. She'll use terms like the whole world, blah 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 blah. And I'm like, well, the whole you don't know the whole world, and I don't know that they're all against you as well. So <laughs> yeah. it's just this this overarching thought process. They of, are. <laughs> they are. <laughs> She's like, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I mean, but but isn't that like like Kenk, isn't that like that's all of our thing? All of us take this thing that's true and then we 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 bet way too much on it. We yeah. like exaggerate it to the point that it becomes disconnected from the truth. Like and I think in some way, like it's almost like we're all hypnotized in our own way of seeing. It's like, mm. um, you know, I'm convinced that this is the way that all of reality works. And then somebody else comes and they're like, well, actually, and we go, yeah, but your way's dumb. Because this is really the way, you know, <laughs> things work. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a conversation my wife and I have all the time. She's a type six and she'll just go, everybody's real motive is blank. And I'll go, you don't know everybody's real motive um, because I believe that maybe that's your motive, but that doesn't mean that it's theirs. And But for her, that tends to be the path that she goes. And 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 she is working on that, just as I'm working on my stuff. Yeah. It's you know, a- I love what's happening here, just in that we're learning to relate to each other and why we are acting the way we are. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes the whole package. And for me... I'm thinking that realizing our own type helps us understand that there are other types that True. Yeah. we yes. can appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, let, me, let us- me give like a small example. Like, you know, my wife and I, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know how you all fight with your spouses if you guys are married. Like, but like <laughs> oh, some don't. people are like very, <laughs> some people are like very soft and polite. Like my, my wife and I are kind of, we're kind of bigger personalities. So like when it, when it gets going, like we get a little bigger. Well, I eventually realized like she is a type six. Their nickname is the loyalist. Their, their tendency is towards catastrophic thinking. So what that meant is that every time early in our marriage, we get into an argument and I would go, I need to go take a breather. She was convinced I'm leaving. Like, oh. we're going to get a divorce. Like, I'm out. And and I had no notion, because that's not entering my mind at all. I'm just thinking, I'm just irritated, and I need a breather so I don't say something stupid. And uh, so I would come back, and she's like, oh, my gosh, you came back. And then and so it was, it's this, it's this realization of like, oh, if I know that about her, I can say, listen, yeah. I'm really mad. I'm really mad right now, and I'm going to go take a breather, but I'm coming back. And we will figure this out. Mm-hmm. And so the ability to, to to understand, you know, I would approach all three of you differently if I had conflict with you, um, depending on your personality, um, in the same way that I would approach my children all different if I had issues to address with them, because I want to love them. I want to customize my love for them. And I think in the same way, God customizes his approach to us as well. But we have to understand who we are to understand how he's doing that. Mm, that's really good. 
I, wow. I, I, I actually, I was talking to my mom about being offended by my test results. And she's like, you're kind of, you're, what you're missing is this is also what you said, a great way to figure out where your problem areas are and how you, you know, think about yourself and how you think about God. Like use this as a tool to, to know, know what's going on in your head, which sometimes you're not sure of. And I'm like, that's absolutely true. So I think you're yes. right. It can be a wonderful tool for that. Yes. Yes. And to realize this too. I mean, here's the, here's the real gift, you know, Missy, like, Type four is one of the greatest gifts that they bring to the church is the gift of lament. Mm. I think that there's a real tendency. I mean, you guys work in radio. You all know that there's this tendency in Christian media to make everything celebratory and joyful all the time. Right. And then you walk outside the studio and you go, life is really painful and hard sometimes. And the four brings that gift to the table and says, the Lord can meet us in this lament and we can be honest about it. It's not going to swallow us, but we can bring this with honesty to God. Um, and I think that in that way, all nine of the types bring a particular gift to the church and to the world that reflects the the character of Jesus. And so, uh, so yeah, I love fours. Y'all are awesome. I do excel in lament. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. 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 I was curious, do certain personality types do tend to be more melancholy as to the degree of needing antidepressants and things like that. Is that is that a personality thing or is that something else? Yeah, it's like a chicken and an egg scenario, right? Is it's it? like, it, it's hard to know which is which. There are definitely, there are some personalities that do tend to be more um, melancholic. Um, and so, and it's it's the withdrawn personality type. So, um, so the nines, the fours and the fives all sort of have a withdrawn energy about them. Mm. And uh, so they, they just tend to naturally want to spend more time alone, but that also leans them in the direction of they can become more melancholic. Um, in the same way, like I have a lot of seven energy. I also have diagnosed ADD. The seven energy, that energy of like, what's the next thing? Let's do the next thing. The next exciting thing. Our brains are hunting for stimulation all the time. So it is common. It is not that everybody that is a seven has ADD, but if you've got ADD, you're going to have a lot of seven. Mm. And so um, so there are definitely correlations that show up um, in, in different personalities. Um, you know, I've got a friend who's a um, is not a type four. Uh, but has uh, diagnosed depression, and so she has a lot of four in her personality. Um, but that is not to say that all fours struggle with depression or all fours have depression. Right. But if you if you do struggle with depression, it's going to show up as four energy. Mm, interesting. You know, I when I took the test, it said that I was a three, and then uh, it said that uh, under certain conditions, under stressful conditions, I'm a nine. And yeah. then uh, under relaxed conditions, I'm a sixth. What does that mean? Stressful, this yeah. comes out. Relaxed, this comes out. Yeah. Okay, so in Enneagram theory, there's a few pieces. So if, you, if you're listening to this and you're like, all this sounds insane, uh, hopefully this will help a little bit. Each of us has a core type. The idea is that early on in life, somewhere between the mystery of nature and nurture, somewhere between mom and dad's DNA and the things you live through, you developed a personality and you slid into one of these nine types. That being said, you've got a wing on each side that flavors your personality, but you also have this thing called uh, arrows. And that means you begin to pull traits from other areas of personality. So the three, when they are, um, when they're stressed out um, and when they are exhausted, they, they pull from the nine energy. That usually looks like this. Threes will go out 
and they will kill it. They will like Steve Harvey their day. They will go out and do like performance after performance, thing after thing, project after project. And then as soon as they get home, they absolutely collapse. It's like Netflix for three hours. No one talked to me. Uh, they don't tend to take great care of themselves. They're just sort of like, and then they get up the next day and then they go hard again and then they collapse again. And so, um, so they take on that side of the nine that tends to just kind of check out and mm. sort of become lethargic. Um, one of my friends who's a three says like, she knows she's in that space. Like she'll teach like a workshop. It'll be like seven hours and then she'll go out to a restaurant and she doesn't even want to lift the fork to her mouth. You know, it's like, it's, so that's that nine energy. The six, the six, um, when they're healthy and they're pushing themselves, they move past the need to be liked and the need to be admired. And they begin to access that six energy, which is, what is good for all of us? What is going to benefit the whole community? Um, what does it look like to really be faithful um, to everybody around me beyond just sort of what is going to benefit me personally? And so they they begin uh, reaching out for, you know, the six is like that covenant of God quality, that sense of I've made a pact with these people mm. and I'm going to hold to it, even if that means that other people are going to say, man, you really passed up a great opportunity or, man, you really sound like an idiot uh, because, um, you know, you said this thing that was true and honest and authentic um, and it was faithful to the people around you, but it, it didn't play that well socially. So our PR suffers, but it suffers for the sake of the community that, that is good and righteous. Mm, that's good. I just realized if someone's listening to this, Maybe they should just pause this and go take the test. Where do you recommend people do that? Yeah, so so tests are sort of a contentious thing in the Enneagram world because they don't always produce fair results. So I always let me start with this. If you take a test, understand that it's not like going and getting like your, you know, white blood cell count taken or something. It doesn't work in that way. What the test can do is show you where to be curious. You have a lot of this quality and a lot of this quality and not much of this quality, um, but it's not necessarily going to definitively tell you your type. That being said, the, the test that I recommend is um, is through a ministry called Crosspoint Ministry. And uh, if you go to their website, they've got um, a page for the Enneagram, and then you could take their test, and uh, it will produce very clear um, results that have been uh, very uh, well scientifically studied and proven. So uh, it's it's one of the most reliable tests out there. So crosspointministry.com, I think. Yep. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. That's it, crosspointministry.com. Yep, we got it right. Okay. You know, I love that you poured your heart into this, and I'm really motivated to better understand the people around me and to use this as a tool to not only understand you know, what needs to be tamped down in me, but also to recognize how I can build up the people around me. This is very effective. Yeah. So as we are wrapping up this discussion, what is it that you're hoping people will take away when they read how we relate? Yeah, I mean, I could say it this way, you know, uh, for as long as uh, time has existed, we've argued about what is the meaning of life. And a lot of people have put forward their ideas, but I believe that the Bible attests to this simple truth. The purpose of life is relationships. Um, I believe that the, the two greatest commandments that, that God gives us to love him with all of our being and to love others as we love ourselves. Fundamentally, that is to say that we are relational people. My hope with this book is that every reader will come away understanding more of how they relate, um, their relational style, and that they would understand how other people relate to them. And that ultimately, 
we can begin to peel back the curtain a little bit and understand the beautiful ways in which Jesus is customizing his love for each of us and meeting us where we are, um, and uh, and that we can step into more life-giving, um, beautiful uh, relationships. Because the deal is this, when all of us are on our deathbed, at the end of it all, none of us are going to go, man, I wish I worked more, man, I wish I made more money. All of us are going to go. What beautiful relationships I had in life, mm. and uh, and uh, and so this book um, is uh, is pursuing that. Um, uh, it's a it's an opportunity to to go deeper into your relationship with God and other people. Mm, that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm going to retake the test because like one of the things it said that I was and I'm totally not that I'm organized. I'm like what. <laughs> 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 that is... I will attest to that being a falsehood. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Um, but, but the other thing is, I, I don't know if, if there are other people that feel the way I do. I am so unaware of what's going on inside of me. Like my wife, hmm. she'll go, are you upset? And I'll be like, no. She goes, notify your face. <laughs> yeah. And I have, yeah. I'm just emotionally disconnected. Like I'll know something's up, but I don't quite get but I really yeah. want to get what's going on. I really want to understand yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, in, in for what it's worth, in Enneagram Theory, threes, uh, we are very emotionally driven, but we uh, we we don't like it, and so we ignore it. Mm. Um, and so, um, so we actually feel very deeply, um, and it can catch us off guard at times where we go, whoa, where'd that come from? Uh, but we, we feel like emotions are kind of an out of control thing. So we tend to want to repress them and put them down. And mm. so, uh, so yeah, so, and, and there's different types that are like that. Sixes are thinking repressed and nines are, uh, body repressed. They don't pay attention to their bodies and instincts very well. Mm. That's, that's interesting. Well, we always love to end our, um, our interviews with this question and it's fun, the different answers that we get. Uh, Jesse, what brings you joy? Oh my gosh. I, uh, I love being with my kids. My kids are just, yeah, their existence brings me a lot of pleasure. Uh, They're both teenagers and, um, you know, just seeing them grow up. (laughs) I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, But, but just seeing them grow up and who they're becoming, I'm just, their, 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 yeah, presence in my life brings me a ton of joy. Mm, That's awesome. Awesome. Great answer. Well, uh, I'm excited to you know, for people to, to read this book and find out more about themselves, understanding God, yourself, and others through the Enneagram. Thank you, uh, Jesse Eubanks. And uh, if people want to know more about you, how do they do that? Yeah, so um, if you want to know more about the book, uh, so it's called How We Relate, Understanding God, Yourself, and Others Through the Enneagram, you can head to howwerelatebook.com. If you want to learn more about uh, the ministry work that I do, you can head to our website, lovethyneighborhood.com, and uh, lovethyneighborhood.org. And uh, while you're there, yeah, you can learn about our Urban Missions Program for Young Adults, the workshops that we offer on the Enneagram, and then we also have a couple podcasts, the Love That Neighborhood podcast, which is if you baptize NPR, you'd get our show. And then uh, the Enneacast, which is the podcast where we explore the Enneagram from a gospel perspective. So there okay. you go. Cool. Sounds awesome. Thank you for your time. I think we'll, we'll all walk away a little more sensitive to each other mm-hmm. and yeah, to ourselves true. as well and how we can relate and serve God better. Yeah. How many of us are going to have their spouse take the test? Because I am. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I already know I'm married to a three, I think. Kind, (laughs) sensitive, wonderful man. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, But I got to figure out, Mike, do you remember telling me not so long ago that you just act like a boss? 
That you do? <laughs> yes. Oh. You said it's just that you act like a boss. <laughs> that eight side of me, I think. I gotta, and, she, and she's, like, boss, she's like, I'm not, I'm not acting like a boss. I'm I not boss. acting like a boss. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's right. I am the boss. I'm really in charge here. And I said, Kanko Fritz, what's up with that tone you just gave her? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Jesse. So all right. Well, thanks, you all. And I uh, hope we get to cross paths again. All awesome. right. God bless thank you. Thanks for listening to the Kinkel Fritz and Friends podcast heard on Family Life Radio. We would appreciate it so much if you could rate, review, and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. You can also find more exclusive content at myflr.org and FLR Mornings on both Facebook and Instagram. And if you support Family Life Radio, thank you.